Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. And we continue our study in the book of Matthew in the evening service, getting here probably once every second week or third week at times with different things happening in the evening services. But we're at the, well, we've covered the prophecy, prophecy of the Lord Jesus in verses 30 to 32 of chapter 26. We're at the time of the Passover. We've noticed that prophecy there. There's a hymn sung. There was the hurt suggested and the hope signified in those verses. And then the promise of Peter. Well, and we looked at this last time, I remember clearly. The promise is recited. The promise is rebuked in verse 34 by the Lord himself. And then the promise is repeated in verse 35 that he will stay with you. I will stay with you to the end, said Peter. The Lord knew this was not going to be the case with any of the disciples. They were close, John and Peter, but not right there. And um, <clears throat> the Lord knows our weaknesses. He knew the weakness of the flesh of Peter. He knew the, the pressure that would be upon him as this evening came to pass. And now we come to the prayers of the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 36 to 46. And let's pray before we look at these. We thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father, for penning these truths, these historical events that have much significance for us today. Lord, you bear our sins in your own body on the tree. And let us be ever grateful and thankful for that down here and on into eternity. Lord, we know that you were alone, forsaken by all at that time, hounded by the devil himself on the cruel cross. We thank you for that, that you endured and suffered for us. And bless the thoughts of our minds and hearts tonight and teach us through your guiding Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> Let's read this portion of Scripture, 36 to 46. Then came Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said unto his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not, with, not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went again, away again, and a second time, and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. 
for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. So here is these three prayers that we have of the Lord Jesus. Notice first of all the place of these prayers in verse 36 in Gethsemane that we've spoken of before as they'd had the Passover supper, they'd gone down past the temple, over the temple mount, out the eastern gate, through the brook Kidron, up to the garden of Gethsemane on the west side of the Mount of Olives. And so this is where they were. And this is a place that he often resorted to to pray. Uh, That's why Judas knew where he was and where he would have been and led the band of soldiers and evil men to take him, take him captive. And so there at Gethsemane, and um, this, this night as would have been at that time and our Easter time is, would have been full moon and it would have been very busy in the city of Jerusalem. This is the, the day of the Passover. This is when people were up and uh, having that festive, their festive lamps burning and into that evening. And so as they moved away from Jerusalem, full moon, you know how it is on full moon, you can almost work at a full moon and, um, <coughs> if their skies are clear. And these preparations were being made. And so it's the place of these prayers where it happened and the the evening. The people that were present there in verse 36 again, we read in Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, sit here while I go and pray yonder. And so only the disciples were present save Judas. Judas was out being paid a sum to give the Lord Jesus to the to his enemies and so the 11 were there and then the disciples particularly chosen to go further as we read in verse 37 and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee who were they James and John James and John the Lord had selected these these were the inner circle we might say of the disciples these were ones that had a heart for the ministry that the Lord was doing. The Lord had the 12, the, the new one as well, minister to him, and we know their fate was uh, probably all martyred by the time the, their ministries had finished, except John. Uh, they became different men after Pentecost, didn't they? Empowered by the Spirit of God, they went out and preached fearlessly. And even when they were threatened by the soldiers, and by the Sanhedrin and by others, they still preached the word of God and proclaimed the truth. And uh, <laughs> we have it so easy, yet we be, be quiet about things. They knew the threats. They knew the imprisonment. They knew the results, stoning and uh, murder, as happened in the early church. But nonetheless, we have these three close, uh, the inner circle, <clears throat> Peter, James and John. How was the Lord feeling this evening as we look at this in verse 37 the last half and he began to be very or to be sorrowful and very heavy sorrowful Uh, it's like one feels at the death of a loved one and so you can if you've if you've had someone close to you that's passed away you know how the lord was feeling at this time 
he was going to pass away this evening and into the next day and the Lord was feeling very sorrowful and heavy and that word there heavy is troubled or distracted by something which cannot be avoided and going through this crushed with anguish and distress was the Lord Jesus as he approached this evening and so this is in contrast to what the disciples were doing isn't it what were they doing <laughs> sleeping at the most crucial moment when they should have been praying they were sleeping does that sound familiar you haven't experienced that have you I think many times we have. At the time we should be praying, we're off the job. We're not doing what we should be doing. The Lord was being crushed with the heavy weight here of anguish and distress, and yet they were sleeping. And he asked them actually to pray, didn't he? In verse 38 there, Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Tarry here and watch with me. Watch with me. The Lord wants us to pray, does he not? What did Paul, what's one of the shortest verses that Paul penned? It's in Thessalonians. Last year. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Always be in an attitude of prayer. And sometimes when we don't realise that the situation is dire, we forget to pray. And as the situations that arise with our missionaries, with, with individuals within the church, the situation becomes dire and we need each other's prayer. We need to pray to the Lord in earnest, fervently and effectually praying. And sometimes we forget about others and their needs. We ought to keep praying, should we not? The Lord was praying at this hour. This is how he spent those, these last times before his capture. This is what he spent. He spent it praying to the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> now, in verse 38, watch or tarry and watch. At the start of the Lord's ministry, multitudes followed him. Multitudes followed him. These dwindled as they heard him speak in John's Gospel, chapter 6. He said, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And many went and followed him no more. That's a hard saying. And he didn't mean nor on his physical body. It means partake of him spiritually. It didn't mean drink his blood literally. He meant in a spiritual sense, if we're covered and clothed by the blood, we're saved. And this is what he meant. But they took it the wrong way and they followed him no more. And still more fell away as they saw the persecution coming, as they saw the problems that were arising about him proclaiming to be who he was. People fell away and here we have 11 left and they would fall away. It's, we could say the tsunami of sorrow was beginning to break upon the Lord's soul as Calvary loomed before him. He knew where he was going. He knew what was going to happen as this he faced. And how did he know? He knew from the Lord. That was his purpose in coming. Was it not? If you look at Isaiah 53, back in there in verse 3, Isaiah 53 and verse 3, there the suffering servant of the Lord, and you can read the whole chapter, but verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, 
a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And we'll be looking at those thoughts in a moment. And so this great wave of sorrow was coming upon him as he saw the cross looming before him. And it was much more than just dying on a cross. It was all the weight in bearing the sin of the world. And so we have or come to the first prayer in verse 39, the, prayer of, the first prayer of the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> as we read there, he went a little further. <laughs> There's the, I've heard a, ser, a, 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 a pastor preach a sermon on he went a little further. <laughs> and uh, he expanded that a lot. <laughs> but the Lord went a little further. God wants us to go a little further than just the normal. He wants us to take a step of faith further. He wants to believe him further. There's many areas that we could go a little further with the Lord, couldn't we? We could go a little further in prayer. I was just reading about Hudson Taylor, inland missionary to China. There, it, uh, he, he got up between 2 and 4 o'clock and that was his prayer time. Not in the afternoon. It was in the morning, and that's when he prayed. And he went a little further, and that's when he met with the Lord without the distractions of people and the ministry around him. And I pray that if the Lord wakes you up, good idea. <laughs> pray. And you know, you know what the Lord might do? He might wake you up more often. <laughs> I can get this, this, uh, my son or daughter to pray if I wake him up and rattle him at that hour of the night. And go a little further and pray with him and pray for the people. Uh, one night, choose those that are, are not well. There are, there's quite a few we know of. Another night, you could choose to pray for the missionaries. Read the missionary letters and pray. Go a little further than what everyone else. You know, make a sacrifice for the Lord. And, and, and the Lord will work through you to do and bring about his purpose and plan. If there's no praying and no preaching and no witnessing in the church, then it dies. We need to take that extra step. You say, but everyone else only works the 38 hours a week. I was going to say 40, 38, 38 hours a week. And yeah, but we're Christians. We have a different purpose. There's a different work to be involved with. But he went a little further. When you think of it, how far did he come? Where did he come from? He come from glory as it says in the Gospel of John and chapter 17. He came from glory, verse 8 and 24. He came from glory and went back to glory. But in the meantime, he's going a little further, a little further, a little further. And Philippians 2 pictures that, you know, <clears throat> he took upon him the form of a man. And he took another step down and down and down until this point where he's at the cross. And he's taking another step further from glory to Galilee to the gatherings, and, and I, I've got all those G's there that you've heard before, to Gethsemane, to Gabbatha, to Golgotha, to the garden grave, and then back to glory after the resurrection. <laughs> and all the references that are there in the scriptures that tell us just that. So we see the distance he came, the distance he was willing to go for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so keep that in mind. 
We were the sinners, and this is how far he's going to reach down, to lift us up, to save our souls. The Creator. <laughs> There's no insignificant thing. If you count this as insignificant, then you're not valuing the salvation that he provided. He went all the way. He paid the full price. Um, we, we say people give their ultimate. The ultimate sacrifice is giving yourself. In the army, we, we say they gave the ultimate, and we know exactly what they mean. We don't have to hear that they died. We know they did. And the Lord Jesus gave everything as the creator. And you just say, <laughs> how could it be that he did that for me? He did that for you, and he did it for me because he loved you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. <clears throat> we notice the petition the Lord prayed in verse 39. As we move on, we see the distance, the desolation of his heart and soul. O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And we might pray that at times when we think the sacrifice is great. You know, I, I, I would pray that this I could get around this, not go through this. And it wasn't the physical means of death, the cross, that was a dreadful way to die. It was that he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. The thought of being made sin, of dying for sin, of being, uh, not for his own either, for being <coughs> accursed of God. These things were upon his heart at this time. And utter desolation broke over his soul. And no doubt he knew that Satan was lurking. Satan was lurking at all times, trying to bring down the Lord Jesus Christ through, from, from his birth right through even before he was born, in, this, in what happened there to Joseph and Mary. So <clears throat> Satan was lurking there to stop the Lord going to the cross. Satan knew what was in the Old Testament. Satan knew that this is the way of God redeeming sinners back to himself, that this was going to be the sacrifice of Isaiah 53. This is the sacrifice of Psalm 22. This is that was spoken of in Zechariah as well. If he could stop the Lord going to the cross, he tried, didn't he? He tried way back at the start of the Lord's ministry, offering him all the kingdoms without going through the cross. And there's no shortcut to glory, is there? The Lord must go and bear our sins on the tree if anyone is going to be saved, if there is going to be a kingdom, if there's going to be an Israel in the future, if there is going to be souls saved, Past in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, he had to shed his blood. Why? Because the lamb's sacrifice, the animals, the asses, the um, bullocks sacrificed, only covered the sins. They didn't take them away. It was when Christ died that the sins were taken away, cast away as far as the east is from the west. And uh, let this cup pass from me. We'll consider that in a moment because that comes up in each of these prayers. Uh, in verse 40, what he saw when he cometh to the disciples, he find them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? So it seems that it was the, that period of time that the Lord had been praying earnestly in this first prayer. How many times has that happened to you? I think we all have to admit 
an hour in prayer and we haven't been faithful. We've gone with, to sleep with Peter. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. What did, the, what did Peter just said? I'm going to die for you. <laughs> he can't even live for him. He can't even stay awake for the Lord. There's a lot of rebukes here for us, isn't there? As we think of our lives and what we haven't done that we should have done that the Lord has beckoned us to do. And he saw this great disappointment what he saw these disciples sleeping on the job. What happened to a guard that went to sleep on the job? He was, he was taken out, wasn't he? He was killed. And this is a very important job we have as praying if god has given you that ability and that the opportunity pray for us elderly people often say to me but i can't do anything more <laughs> yes you can you can do something that you you haven't probably spent the time doing prior to now you can pray you can pray and you can pray what did one say i'd rather teach 10 men to pray than 100 men to preach and we count preaching as important I think we ought to pray. Men ought to, well, it says that, doesn't it? Men ought to pray. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, says the scripture. And so we see what the Lord said in his rebuke. Now, temptation comes if we do not watch and pray. The second prayer in verse 42, he went away again the second time. And you'd think after that first rebuke, the disciples would be fully awake and alert and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away, and this is a little different, let this cup pass from me in verse 39. If this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. I am willing to go through to the end. For this purpose came he into the world. Is it, is it not mentioned? And so the second prayer. Again he prayed. This, and <clears throat> Luke describes the second prayer. Let's turn to Luke chapter 22 and verse 41. In a little more detail. He describes it. Luke 22 and 41. Where we read. And he was drawn, withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and knelt down and prayed, saying in verse 42, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground wonder why Luke mentioned this. What was Luke's profession? He was a doctor, a physician. And there he was, he was interested in these details that happened to the Lord at that time. And, and as, he, as he reappeared to the disciples as they were sleeping again and, and rebuked them for not, not praying with him, they would have noticed this upon, upon him, that he had been sweating great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And so this is what Dr. Luke said. Utter desolation broke over his soul. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Um, <clears throat> three years earlier, you see, the, the temptation was there for the Lord, but he didn't yield to it to avoid the cross and to go another way. But he didn't yield. Peter 
<clears throat> Peter had been used of Satan to offer that again in Matthew 16, and that's why there was a sharp re rebuke from rebuke from the Lord. You know, put up your sword into its place, um, and the, Peter was saying, "Don't go that way." Re and, and Peter was rebuking the Savior for talking about dying on the cross. And now again, Satan is lurking here in the background, whispering, "Not the cross, not the cross. Let's find another way. Let's find another way. Let's turn." to psalm 22 this is that reference along with isaiah 53 that speaks of the suffering servant of jehovah psalm 22 my god my god why hast thou forsaken me why art thou so far from helping me from the words of my roaring oh my god i cry in the daytime thou hearest not in the night season i'm not silent and he certainly was crying unto his father in this troubles as trouble is near in verse um, <clears throat> verse 11 if you go down to there it reads be not far from me for trouble is near for there's none to help many bulls have compassed me strong bulls of bashan have beset me round and as the enemy was looking on and trying to dissuade the lord from going to the cross these things he he was surrounded by this they gaped upon me with their mouths like a ravening and a roaring lion we've mentioned it before recently and uh, the, the 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 satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour i'm poured out like water all my bones are out of joint and so we see the suffering here bulls of bashan beset me ravening and roaring lions dogs have compassed me in verse 16 the power of the dog in verse 21 is mentioned there deliver me from the sword my darling from the power of the dog there in verse 21 save me from the lion's mouth <laughs> so this is how the lord was going what the lord was going through in the time of his suffering the Lord overcame by reciting scripture, not my will, but thine be done. That good and acceptable and perfect will of God is what we all should desire as the Savior desired. And um, <clears throat> the cup which the Father had given me, shall I not drink it, he said in John's Gospel, chapter 18 and verse 11. What was it that filled this cup with horror? Was it the cross and a dreadful way to die, as we mentioned earlier? No, it was our sin. He being made sin for us, dying for our sin. This is, as, as you think of it, it's totally unfair, isn't it? Someone else taking our punishment for what we've done wrong. <laughs> and this is the cup that he was going to deep, drink deeply of. In our deepest hour of prayer and need, we probably never reach or fathom the depths of the Saviour as he went through this, what he went through for us at that time. Watch and pray, he kept saying to the disciples as he come, came back to them. We read on back in Matthew 26 and verse 43, he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. <clears throat> and he left them in verse 44, the third prayer, went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words that he'd prayed earlier and we can read them from the previous prayers then came he to disciples and said unto them what sleep on sleep on three times he prayed sleeping 
excites the enemy. Someone said, watching sights the enemy and praying fights the enemy. And these were doing only the first one. Sleeping excites the enemy. If we're asleep on the job in our testimony for the Lord, if we're asleep in our prayer life, if we're asleep in our Bible reading, if we're not doing what the Lord does wants us to do, then the enemy is pleased with us. We're not active as Christians. And the Lord's not answering prayers because we're not praying them. Watch and pray. So sleeping excites the enemy and watching sights the enemy. We're watching. We're looking for the enemy. Standing on the tower, looking for the one that's coming to destroy the city. And we sound the alarm as the trumpeters did on the, on the <coughs> towers of the cities. And praying fights the enemy. We don't fight with the arm of flesh. We fight with the Lord's arm and through prayer. Um, <clears throat> the old enemy was active here. So like Paul prayed three times for the removal of the thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12 the Lord here is praying three times that he might be delivered from the, this horrible time of going through to be crucified. Let's think of this cup that the Lord prayed would pass from him. This cup, the cups of the Lord. And many years ago I preached on that. The cup of the Saviour's suffering is seen here, Gethsemane. It's known as the place of the oil press. They say there that there are olive trees still there. I didn't get to go in. We looked over the fence. <laughs> but there are olive trees that would have been there when the Lord was there, 2,000 years old, some of the old olive trees. They look like they're dead ass, <laughs> all bent and twisted and rotted out, but they're still growing. <laughs> and it was the place of the olive press. That's where they pressed oil. Our Savior, he was pressed by our sins. He took them upon himself at that time this is the end of the last hectic week of Christ's ministry and if you want to read from what is it about John chapter 13 right to the end of the gospel of John that, that week of ministry upon the earth as he's preparing the disciples for his death and <clears throat> what is this cup of the saviour what did it signify what did it mean well it meant separation as we read in Psalm 22 a little bit earlier, verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is a cup the Lord, would, the Lord Jesus would have loved to have avoided. Because for all eternity, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit had never had a separation. Never a wrong word. Never a wrong thought had come between them. And here was the occasion that the, the Heavenly Father was forsaking the Son as he bore our sins. Any wonder it become dark for, was it three hours in that afternoon? It was darkness upon the face of the earth, earth when it should have been sunshine. He was separated. As the Father turned away from his Son as he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He would experience a separation from his father. And what does death mean? It means separation. He became sin for us. It never happened before. It meant, secondly, 
sin-bearing, as we've mentioned, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. And he was made a ransom for many. We read this this morning. He made his soul an offering for sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our sin was imputed to Christ. His righteousness was imputed and given to us. This is what it meant here. A separation. It meant sin-bearing. Let's turn back to 1 Peter. If you've got an opportunity any time to share with people and you're struggling for a verse, and I pray that you don't, it doesn't happen to you, but you... You can go to this portion of scripture and show the, this, any individual what the Lord bore in verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ, what did he do? Suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And then verse 22 of chapter 2, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. The perfect sacrifice, the sinless son of God, the lamb of God, who did no sin. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. There on the cross, he was reviled. If thou be the son of God, come down. You saved others, you cannot save yourself. When he suffered, he threatened not. Instead, he said what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He left it in the Father's hands. How often have we had to do that as Christians? We have to leave it with our Father to sort it out because humanly speaking we can't. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. The cross is central to our salvation, is it not? How can you get around it and avoid it as you read these scriptures? It's central. And for people today say there is no need of a cross. Nobody needs to die for me. I'm okay. They are as lost as they've ever been. And probably further from the truth than even, a, even an atheist. <laughs> because they've denied the truth, knowing, having heard it and denied it. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd. <laughs> And the bishop of your souls. And so it meant sin-bearing. It meant separation from his father. The sin-bearing of those of us who have sinned. All of us who have sinned. All of us have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He became sin for us. There was no sin in him, but sin was on him. Was it not? And sin demands death. (laughs) Physical death and spiritual and eternal death. If you take sin out of the message of salvation, there's no need for salvation because we're not lost. If you, if you take sin of the, out of <clears throat> salvation, there is no need to be rescued from ha- hanging over hell on a thread. Is there? You know, if we don't deal with sin when a person supposedly gets saved and we don't bring up the question of sin, are you a sinner? If a person doesn't recognize they're a sinner, they don't need to be saved. There is no need to be pulled out of the quicksand of sin. I was thinking about Psalm 40, and he lifted me up and set my feet upon a rock. 
We're in the quagmire of sin. And this morning that we're looking at, we're in the prison, in the prison house of Satan. If you take sin out of the message of salvation, there is no need to reach up from the boisterous waves, as Peter had to say, and say, Lord, help, save me, lift me out of this terrible position. You don't need a boy thrown to you. If there's no sin in the equation here, if there's no sin in the message of salvation, there's no need to have a ripcord on your parachute. Because there's no sudden hit at the bottom, is there? If there's no sin. But there is sin, isn't there? The whole world are born sinners. Every individual from Adam till now as they sinned against the Lord. And sin has to be dealt with. And this is the cup that he bore, that he took, that he partook of, all of it. All of it. And so sin is the cup of our Savior meant separation from his father. It secondly meant there that he bore our sins. He took the cup and drank it all, all of the sins that every person has committed. And thirdly, it meant suffering, the intense suffering. And that is, and we were there before in Isaiah 53, verse 3 to 7 and 10 to 11. The blood of Christ is the most precious thing that ever fell on the face of the earth and was shed for sinners. There are other cups that are mentioned, but this is the cup of the suffering Saviour. Are you saying, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm okay. I'm not that bad that someone needed to die for me. You don't understand sin. How God cannot have one skerrick of sin in his presence. And so his son took our sin on himself that we can go to heaven and he gave us his righteousness. We have a good deal in salvation, don't we? <laughs> it's a great thing. It's a terrible thing if you reject it after you've heard it. He wants to lift you from the miry clay uh, to un onto the rock <laughs> of the Lord Jesus Christ and take the cup of salvation that's spoken of in for Psalm 116, verse 13. <laughs> He's given me the cup of salvation. Have you drunk of that? He drunk of this, this, the sin and, and the separation and the suffering that we might have the cup of salvation. Let us pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for our sins, for going all the way to Calvary and not shirking that which you came to do even though you were tempted by the devil himself to shortcut and receive the kingdoms of this world as he was, you were offered them. Lord, I pray that we'd appreciate what you've done and we'd grow in the grace of the Lord to the point we are forever thankful and grateful and no burden is too great to bear because of what you've done. And Lord, you stood in our place, you took our shame, our punishment, our sin upon yourself, that we might be presented with a robe of righteousness, clothed with the garment of salvation. And Lord, if there's someone here this evening that hasn't taken the cup and drunk it of salvation, may they drink of that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they shall be saved. And that they do tonight in simple faith, 
turn from their wickedness, turn from their sin and shame to be clothed by the Lord. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.